Hello, this is the Organic BC Podcast, and I'm Jordan Marr, an organic corn grower from BC's Okanagan Valley and the show's current host. What you're about to listen to is an episode originally produced for the 2021 BC Organic Conference. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, you're listening to the podcast of the 2021 BC Organic Conference. This episode features a conversation between guest interviewer Tristan Banwell and Anne Macy, who is the president of the Salt Spring Abattoir Society and also sits on the COABC accreditation board. So Anne knows a lot about livestock processing and a lot about the organic standards, which is why Tristan phoned Anne to talk about maintaining the organic integrity of your animals as they pass through the abattoir. It's a confusing topic, so first you'll hear a bit of a preamble conversation between Tristan and I to help frame the topic for you, which starts right now. I hope you enjoy it. Tristan Banwell. Jordan Moore. Thanks for getting on the phone with me. I want to talk about this conversation that you have recorded with Anne Macy. Sure. Uh, can you... I'm just going to start by asking you to frame it. Why did you phone Ann Macy to talk about maintaining organic integrity through the slaughter and meat processing process? Yeah, I think that because of the unique situation with uh, selling meat from livestock that you raise, organic livestock that you raise, compared to something like vegetables where someone might harvest it themselves and go sell it with minimal additional processing, we usually have this intermediate step with livestock of going through the abattoir and slaughter. And uh, I think it, you know, it's an area that's really challenging for producers sometimes. Uh, and we have really limited options when it comes to our abattoirs. So you might not be able to choose uh, someone who is able to do certified organic work or even cares about that. And they're typically really busy. So you don't want to uh, rock the boat too much and, and to ruin a good relationship that you have. So, it's a tricky situation. Anne is uh, is very knowledgeable about these things, and I think it's it's a conversation that we need to continue having. So I, I look at this uh, talk with Anne, and, and hopefully it starts a conversation among some other producers. And I look at it as the the beginning of the conversation. Okay. So if I if I understand you correctly, there is in general a lot of of organic operators producing meat do not have their own slaughter and or further processing capacity. So picture slaughter versus having sausage made. So I guess slaughter versus butchery or how do you, how would you classify those two? Yes. Slaughter and then butcher and cut and wrap. And then there's also value added meat products. This takes it into a whole different category of sausage making or curing. Okay. uh, So but one, one, one thing they all have in common for a lot of operators is that they're using a third party to get this done because right. Well, kind of for obvious reasons, at least for obvious reasons to all the livestock producers listening. Mm-hmm. And that means, and a lot of these facilities aren't necessarily only focused on organics, which means in these same facilities, conventional livestock are coming through and that creates a situation where organic integrity is threatened. Um, and that just creates a whole level of stress and um uh, challenge for the operators and then for like the the audit process because now the audit process is very concerned with what actions were taken to ensure that your products were the, the organic integrity of your pro- products were maintained right and I, w- I would say what it creates is uncertainty because uh, producers may not know what steps they need to take there's kind of different levels depending on how much processing they are doing 
Um, and so you end up in a situation where someone's worked really hard to raise these beautiful organic livestock and then they can't label the meat as organic um, for one reason or another. So they'll have, uh, you know, beef from an organic animal. And I think that's a challenging situation. Okay, sorry. Can I, can I, I want you to clarify that a bit. So um, I'm a, I'm a meat producer and for whatever reason, I, you know, I send my animals to be slaughtered and um, the, the integrity is compromised. Like things happen at the abattoir that compromise the organic integrity. So what you're saying is I can no longer label that as organic meat, plain and simple and sell it. Are you suggesting that I, I, what I can do is indicate on my marketing or labeling that, could you say that again? How does, how do you end up labeling it? Like the reality is I don't totally know. Like, I don't know exactly what the right answer is, but I do know that like with the way we're doing it right now, we can take in a cow, Ron can slaughter it. He, you know, has this declaration on an attestation, whatever it was, but, um, basically like we can get them to sign that and then we can sell literally like an organic steak from this animal but the beef sausage we make from the same animal is not organic hmm. right and that's not because it has unallowable ingredients in it but the funny thing is is like it's not about the ingredients that are added to it or anything because you know what the percentages of non-organic ingredients and stuff like that you can put the spices in the casing and it still could be organic, even if those ingredients aren't because of the percentages rule or whatever it is, 95% or whatever. But it's the act of processing it further than cutting and wrapping that then instantly is not allowed in a non-organic facility, period. And I think that that kind of confuses the issue. Um, it confuses the issue that different certification bodies are saying kind of different things. There's not really a, like a super clear... Um, document that you need to have the abattoir fill out like you get you get a um uh whatever this whatever we're calling this attestation thing uh if you get a copy of something like that it's just a basic processing one it's not specific to abattoirs so it's it's like we need to develop something like that that is more clear and says exactly what they do need to do and exactly what they can't do in order to um to comply uh, under this sort of exemption in the standard right okay yeah i think so so. i think think this is really this is a real it's just it's it's a problem of a lack of clarity right so like right theoretically there's a standard that tells you what you need to do but there's there's right i read that i read that out loud on the podcast episode i think i read that portion and it's clear that livestock and slaughter is in a different category that's a bit of i would call it an exemption from the processing requirements that you can do these certain few things. And it is, it is kind of clear, like what you, that if you do this thing, you get this statement of compliance or whatever, then you can do this for just these kinds of products, not, not those additionally processed products, um, period. But you still have to have your abattoir do that. And they might just say no. Right. Because it is also it's not only asking them to sign a piece of paper, it's asking them to slaughter my animals first in the day. It's asking them to clean everything after they slaughter my animals like they have to do a few additional things. It's not like it's a crazy high bar, but you're talking about people who are already like worked off their ass and they might just say, no, why would I? Sorry. No, I won't do that. 
especially if they get audited. So I think that's where the rub is or where the challenge is. It's just like, there's like you said in our, like when you were recording a, like an intro there, it's like, what, why would they do that? What's the incentive for them to subject themselves to additional oversight or make additional agreements to just help one producer meet their market unless they were un, like low on work, but it's their market and they don't, they don't have to accommodate us to stay in business. But this all. is where this gets back to my earlier question about, do we just need to acknowledge reality and make it simpler and accept that means like a little less integrity? Like sometimes I think there are aspects of the standard and the way we audit and enforce the standard where we're getting into debating like how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. Like, I just mean, obviously I don't know a lot about what, what processes and materials are being used to get a cow from the entry of an abattoir to the exit. But it's just hard to believe there's a ton going on, you know, so that if a conventional cow was processed first, the stuff was cleaned and then your cow was processed, that, that it's, that it's actually in any meaningful way contributing to like a serious loss of organic integrity. And like, right. so then earlier I asked you about, is there, could we imagine just like a, a wholesale change to how this is what's required and what would that look like? And I'm just wondering, could it be simpler? Like, look, we know that there's this cleaning agent and this cleaning agent out there that are really bad and we don't want it touching organic meat. So can you, can you tell us that you're not going to use that in between or something like, you know, where it's just simpler, kind of like, please don't do this, but otherwise give her. Otherwise, don't schedule the organic meat at the start of the day just to accommodate me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I, I do understand what you mean. And I, I think that the, it's it's like a lot of things in organic certification is that, you know, not all of these requirements that we uh, that we adhere to are based on, you know, I, I don't know, I guess like an empirical scientific reality you know, like a amount of time that something needs to be not treated with a prohibited substance or like the amount of time between the application of manure and a certain type of crop. Like some of these things are not exactly based on some, some hard number. And I think that if you took my meat, my cow going in and I've, I, that animal's been maintained certified organic for, for three years. And I've, I've, done all these different types of management to avoid having to use um you know different types of inputs and things and then i take her to the abattoir you're not you know there's nothing that's going to happen in there i think that would compromise what the customer expects as long as animal welfare standards are being maintained before slaughter and everything is clean and um you know we're not adding any strange ingredients um, to the meat, then I, I think that it meets the customer's expectation. And that's why I think it's really challenging when someone works so hard and pay and spends the additional effort and money to raise a certified organic animal. And then they aren't able to sell certified organic meat to their customer. I think that that's hard to stomach. And that's, that's why I think we need to keep talking about it and find out. Um, it doesn't, let me put it this way. It doesn't seem fair that you can grow the product, raise the product, get it all the way to when you're ready to harvest it. And then there is no path for you to successfully keep that product organic. 
there when there if there is no way for you to accomplish that then i do think that there should be a type of exception for that because it doesn't seem fair and especially when you think like you you start to think about the blurred lines between the difference between you sending your animal to slaughter while it's still in your possession you still own it right and so you're responsible for what happens in that slaughterhouse versus me selling my vegetables to a grocery store once i sell them it's not my responsibility what happens to them in the back storage of the grocery store right like so they're going to go and put them out and and offer them as organic I'm not on the hook for what happens back there. If they, if they combine, you know, and I'm not even talking about fraud. I just mean like the way they're storing them, uh, like exposes them to cardboard that had conventional in it before. Do you know what I mean? It's just funny that way. And and in that sense, I'm going to leave it here. I think, I think we've covered this, but this isn't this, this conversation between you and Anne is not just meant for your colleagues who are trying to solve these riddles, but also those in the community who have, a role to play in influencing future standards because this is just one of those aspects of the standard that is kind of doesn't totally make sense or not in all contexts and uh right. and it's not working that well right now for a lot of producers and i think that the other the other target audience is also um, people who are verifying organic compliance and people who are helping um, producers like who you know are running certification bodies and helping producers understand uh, what they need to do. Um, you know, we got to do the footwork to to be ready to offer solutions that producers could try if they're having tr- trouble maintaining uh, that organic chain. And if it's not possible, then referring them to the ways that they can um, help to make a contribution to change it. Okay, let's leave it there and we'll let we'll let folks listen to the conversation between you and Anne. Thanks, Tristan. No problem. I'm speaking today with Anne Macy, an organic icon as far as I am concerned. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. You're very welcome, Justin. Could you introduce yourself and what you do? All right. Well, my name is Anne Macy. I'm um, currently the president of the Salt Spring Abattoir Society, so I'm involved with running the local abattoir, community abattoir here on Salt Spring. But some of the other hats I wear have been um, with the certification and accreditation process in BC and, in fact, across the country. I'm currently on the accreditation board for COBC, in the past, I've been an inspector, and I've also been on the Organic Technical Committee Livestock Working Group. I'm trying to retire from a lot of those things right now, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I try and keep track of what's going on and where things are. And I did used to have a farm back in a past life in Ontario, so I do know a little bit about livestock from that experience as well. Okay, so... We'll be speaking today about maintaining organic integrity uh, for organic livestock through the process of slaughter and butchery, which can be challenging uh, for a lot of producers. So it's safe to say, Anne, that you are um, as close as there could be to an expert for uh, someone to reach out about this topic. 
Um, as, as you know, I operate an organic mixed livestock operation, uh, and we're slowly moving toward doing all our own slaughter and butchery at our on-farm abattoir. But like most organic meat producers, we also use the services of another abattoir, which is not itself a certified organic processor. And over the years, we have heard from numerous organic operators who raise certified organic livestock on their farm, but have difficulty maintaining the certification through the process of slaughter and butchery. Is this something that you've come across or heard about? Yes, this has been a problem for some time. Um, Rarely do slaughterhouses want to get involved with the whole certification process. Sometimes it's just because there's maybe one operator that uses the services that certified organic. Um, But also I suspect it's because, you know, the very idea just kind of puts people off, you know, extra paperwork, Mm -hmm. having to have somebody come in and look at what you're doing and things like that. And there's enough challenges with running a uh, slaughterhouse anyway, as you probably know, without having to do that extra extra piece. So... um, Sometimes you might find a co-op or something like that where people get together to have a slaughterhouse and they get the whole thing certified. But it has been a challenge. And with the, when the federal regulations came in, slaughter was one of those things that um, was a service that wasn't required to be certified. Mm-hmm. It, it, you just had to guarantee maintaining the integrity. BC, we'd, we'd always had the possibility of certifying uh, processing plants like slaughterhouses, but there weren't many takers for that. We tried here on Salt Spring to, well, we didn't try, we did, in fact, go the certification route with the Islands Organic Producers Association, IOPA. Mm-hmm. And um, so we maintained certification for a number of years. And our initial intent there was to encourage more people. We thought, well, people are saying this is a problem. So, okay, if we offer that certified service, people will come and want to use it. But it didn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, the numbers of certified livestock producers went down rather than up. And nobody really wanted to come over on the ferry and use it. So it, it didn't have the result we were expecting. Right. Um, and then we also found that uh, that it actually didn't make a business sense because the numbers have dropped. I think we had five certified producers bringing livestock at one point, and then we were down to one, and it was only 50 birds a year. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it didn't make sense to spend the $500 or whatever it was you know, if the producer wasn't willing to pay that and and we couldn't really subsidize one producer. To maintain that certification. To maintain the certification. So then we'll talk, we'll we'll get into talking about other ways to maintain the organic product integrity. Um, But because I think safe to say what you're saying is very few abattoirs or meat shops would be certified organic processors and that's likely to continue to be that way. Yes. I mean, usually it's only the ones that have a large clientele or are just processing for one or two big processes that will go that route. Right, okay. It's not actually, in my mind, it's not actually that difficult. I mean, there's some picky stuff to deal with, but once, you know, you you get through that, it's not not particularly onerous, but um, I think it 
just can seem, seem too much for people. Right. And they're dealing with all of these um, these requirements that are compulsory, these, uh, these uh, the, from the federal, from the CFIA requirements to wastewater and environmental and Ministry of Agriculture, everything else that are compulsory. And I kind of feel like they think, well, why would I do more voluntary <laughs> yeah. assessments and paperwork, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you alluded a bit to the um, the provincial standard and then to the federal program. Could you explain a little bit about the relationship between the Canadian Organic Standards and the BC Certified Organic Program? Yes, well, this, this, there's two things. There's standards and there's regulations. The standard is the actual operating things that says the things you can use or the things you can't use and that kind of thing. And then the the programs refer more to the actual, are you certified or not? Do you need to be certified? What kind of labels do you put on? Okay. So there's two, there's two different things there. And the, and the other thing, the difference in the federal system, it is the it is sort of in the BC system too. Now it is the product that is certified, but previous to the federal standards, we didn't talk about certifying product. We talked about certifying process. Mm-hmm. So that has been a bit of a confusion. So now we have these two things. We used to say you could certify an abattoir or you could certify a farm, but you can't do that. You can only certify the products, but you can get. Um, under the federal system, if there's a processor, they can get a certificate of attestation, which is exactly the same process as the organic certification, but it's not for a product. It's to say that the operator or the facility can um, process the, the organic product and maintain its integrity. So although they're called different things, they're exactly the same. Okay. Um, in terms of what you have to do. So the under the BC program, we haven't used that certificate of attestation because it hasn't been applicable. If we needed to, like when we were with IOPA, IOPA could still process, um, could certify a processing operation just because we hadn't, that, that was what the BC program had always had. Okay. So that's when things, it, it's a kind of terminology thing and how things are handled, it's a bit different. but. And the other confusing thing that has confused people, we used to talk about, use that word attestation in terms of like a written statement um, that that a facility could, you know, say, I do this, I do that, and you sign it off, and I've maintained the integrity that way. But that is something quite different from the certificate um, under the core, the ones that they do. So that is why it's even more confusing, I guess. Right. But what you can do, and I think you can, under the BC program right now, what we're saying that people can do is that, yes, you can get the a statement from a slaughterhouse that says, we do this, we do that, we, you know, we maintain the integrity um, in the following ways. You know, we start the day with the organic animals, we do this, all the things that are Certified facility would do, a regular slaughterhouse can do, and they can sign off on that. And under the BC program, that might be enough. Um, In our case, that's what we've started doing just for the, on Salt Spring, we, we wrote that statement, we 
sign off on it, we give it to the operator, and then they submit that with their paperwork. Now, in our case, the certifier knows us, and there's been inspectors have been in before, so they know what they're dealing with, so we can probably get that accepted. And anybody else might, the certifier might want to send in an inspector at some point, or or have the inspector of the operator also make a visit to the slaughterhouse or talk to the operators there to see if they you know understand what it meant it means to maintain that organic integrity right okay. so it's a it's a bit of a personal kind of relationship i think you have to form probably with the with the slaughterhouse and get them to be willing to you know have a conversation with your inspector and to sign a piece of paper and those kind of things and then go to your certifier with that and say, okay, is that that adequate? Under the core, it's it's kind of a bit different and it also depends on, you know, whether labels are being put on the meat or whether they're not and, and that kind of thing. Right, okay. So in terms of the, in terms of the BC Certified Organic Program, I have a piece of, of the operator's guide here um, that I'll just read. And it ties into what you're saying there. And then we can talk about how that can be maintained because there's a little more detail here. So mm -hmm. in um, section 3.10.5, slaughter and processing, number three says, it is not compulsory that a slaughter facility be certified in its own right for meat to be labeled certified organic. But producers and certifiers must be able to verify that the in organic integrity of the product is not compromised during slaughter and cutting. An organic compliance declaration may be used for custom slaughter facilities. So that there is what you're talking about for That's the right. BC yep. program. And, yep. and it's about you know, you're, what's going in there is your certified organic livestock and then you need to be able to prove with the assistance of the of the slaughter facility that the organic integrity of the product is not compromised during their processing. Right. And that would mean making statements to do with okay, this is the organic animals are processed first thing. You would have had potable water, you know, over it so any residues of anything that might have been there before or any sanitizers which might not have complied would be washed off so there's a so you start with a clean it's a, yeah so it would be a removal process to make sure there's nothing there that could would compromise the organic integrity you'd have to make sure that as the carcass went through that it was clearly labeled that it was clearly separated from everybody else if it was say poultry you and if the facility normally added soap to their scald water to help pull those feathers out, you wouldn't do that if it was an organic product. So you have to know what the process is and know where the stumbling blocks might be and and make sure that everything is, you know, as I say, rinsed off um, before you start the organic and that, that kind of thing. But otherwise, it's, it's a matter of keeping things separate and tracking, which theoretically all slaughterhouses do anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Track all the individual uh, batches that go through and, and make sure you end up with your own product at the end. What you can't do is you cannot, at, at the end of the day, you, you maybe cut up the meat, label it, you know, beef steak or whatever, but 
you can't put an organic label on it. The slaughterhouse or the or the butcher cannot put the organic label on it. So right. if you wanted an organic label, it would have to be the operator that put the label on it. Right. Okay. Because that's a certified organic operation. Yes. So in a in a federal system, if a butcher was applying labels or bags with you know the organic details on them, they would actually have to have a certification for packaging and labeling. Okay. But under the provincial system, we're saying that that facility doesn't have a, a license to apply organic labels, but the operator does. Mm -hmm. And as long as the product has maintained integrity to that point, then the operator can take it home and stick their farm label on the, the box or whatever. Right. Okay. And so it seems like, um, it seems fairly straightforward when you read it here that you have to be able to verify the organic integrity of the product is not compromised uh, through things like inputs, the process, um, sanitation procedures, packaging or storage, or mixing with any non-certified products. Um, but when it comes down to it, this is the decision of the of your individual certifying body whether your um, your relationship with your abattoir or your meat shop meets those requirements. That's right. Uh, so do you have a sense of the level of record keeping and reporting that would be required if your abattoir is not certified organic? Um, it, it would probably vary by the certifi uh, certifying body and the certification committee. But in general, do you have a sense of the type of record keeping additionally that would be required of the, of the abattoir or meat shop? Well, how I would look at it is every abattoir or meat shop has, you know, their processing checklist. They have to track each carcass that comes through. They have to record the numbers. There's got to be traceability all the way through. So that end, it's no different. What they have to make sure is on their receiving records, which they have to have, they just are able to record on that that this is certified organic product, and that carries all the way through. Right. So as long as they have their checklist and they're doing the things they're, they're required to do legally anyway, it's just a matter of one extra box, if you like. Right, okay. And then in terms of not being a certified organic facility, uh, the abattoir or meat shop may be uh, doing other activities, uh, for instance, using substances that may not be on the permitted substances list. But so long as they're not contaminating or coming in contact in any way with the organic product is that still allowable or would they need that, to discontinue yes. no i don't i don't believe so i mean that maybe that's my personal opinion but i don't think that is necessary um as long as when the organic product is there there's no possible contact with any of those prohibited substances right okay that makes sense so, to me and so probably if you're trying to do, if a producer is trying to do this type of relationship with an abattoir or meat shop, um, you have to hope that they're willing to, you know, dialogue with you, work through any hiccups that you encounter along the way. It's probably a good idea to pull out the relevant sections of the standard for them to, to review, um, you know, the federal standard. Yes, I probably wouldn't even do it as from the standard because that could be intimidating. I mean, ideally, we would have some sort of these are the key things that you cannot do <laughs> or that, that there is a concern and have it like that. But I, I guess somebody needs to do that work because just 
you know, putting standards in front of people can be a bit intimidating for them, I think, if they don't really want to do it. Sure. So it's maybe not the the approach to take, but um, but yes, I mean, you could, you could do that. But then, you know, the, the challenge with things like cleaning, things everybody thinks, oh, they have their things that they like to use and we can't use those. And people get into discussions about, you know, whether it compromises the situation. Well, it, it needn't in this case because you can, I think, use whatever you do. I, I mean, the simplest one is, you know, why not use bleach as opposed to anything else? Because certainly the organic people understand what bleach is. Mm, right. <laughs> and you just got to make sure it's not there anymore. Um, so, and that's relatively easy to do. So if you're using bleach as a sanitizer, for example, but then you might be using something else even something that we think is, we thought that years was okay that we were using was a Viper product, but it turned out it wasn't after all because it had phosphoric acid in it. So it was a non-compliance. But I mean, you don't have to get into that level if you're not being certified, I don't think. I right. mean, as long as there's no contact and, and those kinds of things. But you're not telling somebody they've got to change everything that they, they do generally just for one, one operator. Okay. Now, if if that slaughterhouse is mainly servicing organic operators, or you know, or a large proportion of it, then it it might be worth their while looking into the process more, because otherwise they've got to do this for each individual operator, which that will make a lot more work in itself too. Okay. So, um, let's talk for a minute about the. Uh, declaration of organic compliance or certification of attestation kind of aspect of it, because it seems like um, that might be something that I would imagine there's no standard template for, but it's possible that some certifying bodies um, offer sort of a, a, a template for that um, declaration. And that seems like that would be a good opportunity to provide information to an abattoir or to your exactly. meat shop yeah. Um, yeah. is when you're giving them this declaration, this is, this is, what you need to accomplish for me, which we think you can largely do within your system as it is, but you will need to be able to verify that you're cutting my meat first and you're, you know, washing, washing the facility before you start handling my meat or things like that. Um, it seems like that would be the place to communicate it to the abattoir or meat shop. Do you think? Yes, exactly. And that's by far the simplest way I think to go about it. Okay. And which is, you know, this declaration of compliance is, is quite different from the attestation that we're talking about at the federal level, which is equivalent to the um, certification process. Okay. As opposed to something like, uh, more like an affidavit sort of situation, which yeah. is what you're saying the, the attestation used to be kind of referred to more as like if you needed a neighbor to maintain a buffer zone or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, that, that, so if we can just get away from using that terminology in, in this context, and and but it's, that would help because people get kind of muddled up. Okay, there's so. the certificate of attestation that the federals are using, and if we can talk here in BC about the document of compliance or something like that, I think that would help simplify things in people's minds. Now, something that um, I would like you know, to mention at this point, this is just, we're just talking about simple meat cutting. Mm -hmm. The minute something else happens, it's a whole different scenario. 
So okay. the minute you decide you want sausages made, then that doesn't fall under this because that's actually manufacturing because you are adding other ingredients. Okay. So, so once you're, it's safe to say you can slaughter an animal, you can prepare it for the cooler, you can cut it into smaller pieces, but as soon as you're, you're introducing other types of ingredients into the process, then that's a different story. Exactly. Okay. And do you want to get into that? Do you think is then does the facility need to be organic or is there still uh, yeah sort they of would a have to have that that's considered processing and to maintain the integrity and put an organic label on that product it would have to be a certified facility, facility. Okay. or or um, there would have to be inspection and you know I, they maybe don't need to but it would have to it could be through the operator but it would require a certificate and um, and the process would need to be inspected. and uh, yeah and everything would have to be filled in all those forms and right. everything like that right okay gotcha okay so if if a if a producer is successful in um, working through the uh, declaration of organic compliance with their abattoir say and and with their certification body um, and they're trucking along, they're um, having animals slaughtered, they're able to sell organic meat, simple cut and wrapped products. And then um, each year when they're being audited, their verification officer or their certifying body could decide that the abattoir, they, they would like to have a look at the abattoir and their record keeping or their process. Is that right? Yes, they could, they could do. Okay. Yeah. And then if... Could we talk a little bit about if the if the operator at some point if the um, certification body has uh, questions for the operator about how this is working or um, they're they're not satisfied with the way that the process is going or they won't let the operator in, enter into an arrangement like this? What uh, what's the process for? Um, the certified organic operator, the producer, the livestock operator, um, to to find out more or to figure out how to work through this process. Because what I've seen is uh, people who, because they're unable to navigate this process, they end up selling meat that they can't say the meat is organic, and they're saying something like, "This, you know, this steak came from a certified organic animal" or something like that. And I'm wondering how can those types of of producers move through navigate through this system and and what's the process if they have questions about the way the certifying body is assessing their case that's a very difficult one to answer I'm okay. afraid. <laughs> um, there isn't an easy answer um you know it depends to some extent on the certifying body um but now we have the mandatory labeling it's quite difficult to put any kind of organic um, anything referring yeah. to organic on a label without it, you know, falling outside of the the regs almost. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's a more recent complication, and um, I don't think anybody's really sat down and tried to figure out, you know, just what would be acceptable. I think it's going to be those things like it. It comes down to this meat is being sold hopefully close to home to people you know 
and um, you can tell them that you know exactly what happened. It was certified organic till it walked in that door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the people, your customers, are accepting of that because I don't know that there's a um, you know an easy answer for okay. what you can put or not put on that label anymore. Um, Right. But yeah, they came from because now we're not really talking about a certified organic operation. We're talking about product, right? So right. much. Right. So that's so the other challenge with that. It seems to me, from conversations I'm having about this topic, that it could be valuable for a group of of organic livestock operators to get together, especially anyone who's been successful at at navigating through this process of keeping. Uh, maintaining the organic integrity of their product through the abattoir and through the cut and wrap process and working together to to identify um, those pinch points or those potential potential challenges that you mentioned um, which you you've experienced because of having the facility certified organic so you'd you'd go through the process of of audits and everything and and determine those things find out that oh this soap is a problem or or hand sanitizers um, can only have certain ingredients whatever it might be Um, try to identify where the actual issues are and develop you know it would still be on a certification body individual basis, but perhaps if we identified um, some of the key challenges and kind of listed those out clearly um, using someone who's been successful at it, that might be something useful to share among certifying bodies. Yes, I think that would be very useful so everybody understands it. I mean, it is one of the more problematic pieces of the whole um, organic picture, and we're always getting questions about it. Mm-hmm. Um, people not understanding, or operators and certifiers not really understanding what they can do and what they can't do either. So everybody's in this kind of learning process, trying right. to figure out the best way to handle it. So anything to help, if you can get get a kind of working group together perhaps to come up with a, um, some ideas for how to simplify this or to make sure everybody's um, you know, working to the same trying to do this a similar thing so that everybody's not confused by a whole bunch of different labels or a whole bunch of different requirements i think that would be helpful right because i mean ultimately it's it's uh what really makes me interested in this is it's it's pretty hard for me to imagine that you you might have uh you know a, a beef animal that you've raised and it's been on your farm for over two years and you've done all the things right and its dam was organic from you know throughout her pregnancy and all of these things and you have all of these records and everything to assure that this animal has hasn't had any prohibited inputs or anything like that and then um, you finally get to the end which should be the the success and the celebratory portion of it (laughs) and you lose your organic status of that animal that you've worked so hard to raise and you've spent so much extra money and and effort on. Um, It's, it's uh, really challenging. Yeah, it certainly is. But I don't think it's as hard as people make out to to get that last piece in place. If Mm -hmm. we can just learn to communicate with the, the slaughterhouse operators or get, you know, um, and there are a few that, that will do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if they get the business, other people will look at it. I mean, I know there's a there's the challenge of lack of slaughterhouses, but that's a different issue as well. So, But I think it's if we can have those conversations on a 
you know, personal level almost with the operator rather than, you know, customer demand kind of thing. Mm. Uh, go in there, see what it would take, see, you know, why people are resistant and, and figure it out from their end what the challenges are as well and then seeing what we can do to help make it easier for people to go forward with this. I mean, the whole idea of having, you know, somebody wanting to come in and look at your facility while you're working. I mean, it, totally they can't do that right now anyway because of COVID, but right. that's a different different issue. But um, that, I think, puts people off. Right. Um, especially about the, all the other challenges that, that slaughter plants have and, you know, and, you know, is it a genuine request or is it some group coming in to attack them or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> so there's those kinds of things. But if you can form that personal relationship and start talking to, to them, if, if possible, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Some, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. And every sort of house will be different. And sure. so it'll be a matter of kind of just exploring that. But I think it... I wish it wasn't so hard, and I don't think it need be if we can just get through those barriers. Right. Okay. Well, I think that's a, that's a good place to end it, and I think we can, um, you know, I'd say that I'm interested in this conversation and keeping it moving forward, and and uh, I would say that um, we can include some contact information with the with the podcast episode and. Uh, people who are interested in this or having challenges with this or who have, um, most importantly, maybe who have been successful in this, um, maybe can reach out to me directly and we can try to start to organize something and create some resources um, to increase the possibility of this. Because I think the demand for these products is out there. There's increasing awareness of uh, the benefits of small-scale uh, localized livestock production and certainly the pandemic has opened a lot of people's eyes to the way our supply chains work and um, the challenges that are inherent with that and there there's a lot of opportunity on on our small scale diversified farms for a little bit of livestock production um, and a lot of those people would benefit from from being able to sell their product as organic so yeah, and um, did we miss any topics or, or anything else that you wanted to add before we leave it off? Um, not that I can think of right <laughs> now, but I'd be happy to help you with that project, Tristan. I think that definitely would be very helpful to a lot of people, and I'd like to see more livestock on farms, not less. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound <laughs> like that's something that's going to help with your attempts at retirement. <laughs> 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 there's always something else to work on isn't there Anne? there, there certainly is but <laughs> well i really appreciate you contributing your perspective and um and taking the time to talk to me about this and i hope that it's a, a useful uh perspective for producers to hear who are listening and and for uh certification bodies and committees to consider as well um as they think about how to help our livestock producers uh maintain organic integrity so, Anne Macy, thank you very much. Thank you, Justin. Good talking to you. Okay, that's it for this episode, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. A couple reminders for you. On February 27th, we hope to be able to offer some socially distanced farm tours around the province. There will also be an online auction in the lead-up to the online gathering on February 28th. 
To learn more about both of those, go find the email associated with your conference ticket purchase and click the link to access our online conference info pages on Eventbrite, which is the website where you bought your ticket. That's about it. I'm Jordan Marr, your conference coordinator and MC, and I'll talk to you soon.